puts a header on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. I am Jordan Wiegand and I have my co-host Logan Stump. Did you hear that British guy? He's in my headphones. Uh, it's really weird. Uh, like He said our names, too. I can't get over it, man. It's unbelievable. I, I love listening to the intro now. I'm like, this sounds so official. I love it. It's fantastic. It puts a smile on my face. Uh, like I'm like Thanos, you know. Um, we are going to be talking some U.S. men's national team. Uh, you know, they just whooped uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, and we're also interviewing, uh, you, you may know them from the, their handle is We Are Austin TV on Instagram and Twitter. We're going to be interviewing them about their thoughts on Austin's expansion season, uh, which is supposed to start, you know, barring uh, any sort of lockout as we still wait for words on that. Um, so I'm excited. We're going to get into it a little bit here. Uh, I think we are going to try to preview every team at some point, but figured we'd start with the expansion side. So first, though, what we're going to do here is we're going to talk the U.S. men's national team victory over Trinidad and Tobago. That's right, the team that knocked out the U.S. men's national team from qualifying for the 2018 FIFA World Cup. Uh, we've we've played them since, we've beaten them since, but it seems like now every time we play them, we're just going to dr- drive the score up just to make sure that uh, there's no doubt uh, that we're going to win against Trinidad and Tobago. I guess let's start here with, uh, before we get into individual players or the box score here, Logan, just give us your thoughts here on this game that happened right in your backyard. Yeah, the, <laughs> uh, texting you, I mean, I was excited all day um, just because I, I like when the U.S. gets back to playing because they've been absent for so long. Um, and it seems like there's been so much time in between those games that they were playing in the later stages of last year. But no, I, I and, you know, it starts out so well that it's like, good Lord. I mean, this couldn't have gone any better um, just to start the game. Uh, you know, Lewis scores early on and I'm talking like passes in uh, different assists that just you know the the team just played so well they played extremely quick um i thought that they applied pretty good pressure um and it was a lot of our youth guys it wasn't a lot of our 
guys that would normally be in the side. You've got a lot of the youth squad that, you know, these guys are backups uh, and they're playing their hearts out because they know that, you know, Trinidad and Tobago, not really a game they want to lose because of what has happened in, in the history of the United States soccer. So it's something that was, you know, I was looking forward to just some, the more we can just keep piling on and like you said, just keep driving it into them. It was more exciting. I really did. I enjoyed this one. Yeah, the uh, talking about players starting, our starting lineup was Matt Turner from the New England Revolution in goal. We had Aaron Herrera as the right back, Miles Robinson, Aaron Long in the center with Sam Vines in the left, Kellen Acosta, Jackson Yule, and Sebastian Legette in the center of the park here. And then we had Paul Ariola on the right, Jesus Freira up top, and Jonathan Lewis on the left. Uh, the front, uh, the front three each had two goals each. If we look at the match facts, Jonathan Lewis scored uh, twice very early in the second and ninth minute. Then a double by or a brace by Areola in the 22nd and 41st minute. Miles Robinson in the 52nd. Jonathan Lewis again in the uh, 55th. And Jesus Ferreira in the 62nd. And actually, I think I misspoke earlier. Ninth minute was Jesus Ferreira as well who actually was man of the match. He had, like, I think he took part in five of these goals. Oh, yeah, he was like, it was everything that was in. It was kind of like watching Harry Sun, uh, the, the the Harry Sun uh, couple at Tottenham. It was everything that he touched. It was like, well, that's going to go into goal or, or somebody that's going to put it in goal. It was, it was nuts. 72% possession for the U.S., uh, to Trinidad's 28, 19 total shots to Trinidad's two. They did have a penalty kick that was saved by Matt Turner, and really the only action that he uh, that he had. <laughs> he, uh, you know what? Though I mean, I I saw a couple of the U.S. writers that were writing about the fact that, and I, and I think that they've got a good point. You know, was with Stefan not getting any kind of quality time with City, uh, which I know you've talked about him moving on from there. Which you know, I totally agree, even being a City fan. But watching Turner play. He was impressive. I mean, you know, he doesn't get much action, but I think that, you know, in the matches that he's played and, and with New England that he's played pretty well. So it's he, he's been on a, you know, he's been on an up and coming. And I think that he, he could give Stefan kind of a run for his money, especially if Stefan kind of falls out of form for not getting too many matches under his belt. Because, you know, I don't see it coming with City, at least in not not now, because they're in those later stages of those cups now. Right. Uh, on the bench, they did bring in Daryl DK, Chris Mueller, uh, Andreas Pereira, Christian Roldan, Tanner Tessman, and George Bello. Um, none of the subs really had as much as an impact. You know, when when you kind of score that many goals uh, early on in a game, uh, which by the time the subs came in, I think it was six or seven already uh, at that point. It gets to uh, they don't have it listed here on Fat Mob when they actually came into the game, but uh, it gets to a point where you know it's going to get harder to score. I, I feel like you know uh, I think we kind of saw this with the game in the last window when they scored like six kind of early against El Salvador, I think it was, but you know couldn't keep putting any more past them. Uh, it just you know, but. Uh, I, I thought we looked good. You know, th- people are going to go ahead and say that this didn't matter, right? Like, it's, you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, in all, in all honesty. 
you know, I saw people say, uh, well, we should defeat this team easily. And then when we do, it's, well, it's just Trinidad and Tobago. But they're also the ones that knocked us out of the World Cup. And I know a lot of these players haven't played since, you know, almost since lockout on the Trinidad side. But originally the U.S. had scheduled Serbia, um, and that fell through with COVID. So it's not like they're just trying to schedule these, um, you know, smaller nations. It's because of logistics and also the fact that this is not an actual FIFA window, international window. So you can only kind of get what you get uh, at that point. So, you know, uh, if if they didn't beat them 7 nothing, people would have been like, why didn't you beat them 7 nothing?" And then that they did beat them 7 nothing, I saw a lot of people say, well, you can't take much from this game. And I don't think that's true because there's been, you know, we need the confidence in our B or C squad even that they can go out there and beat these CONCACAF nations handedly because you don't want to always have to call in Pulisic and McKenney and and what happens if there's inter- injuries and you have to have these people step up they have to you know kind of already be familiar with the system that's why they do these January call-ups is to get some of these MLS guys into the national team and to kind of get their uh, feet wet a bit with how you know how they get this stuff uh, uh, ready um, because I saw a lot of people also saying well why are we calling up this person and that person and this person and, you know, part of it is you just need that depth. You know, you're not always going to have your strongest side available. As we've seen with 2020, there's been a lot where, you know, Berhalter hasn't even had really his best squad available for quite some time uh, due to COVID. And uh, with some of these players becoming on the scene since, you know, the lockdown, really. Like, you know, some of these players overseas... Uh, have kind of just taken off. You know, McKenney is having a great season. Pulisic less so, but Reyna, you know, he he was really more of one of the younger squad teams. He wasn't really on, like, the, the big national team yet at, at that point. So suffice it to say, you know, I, I feel like, again, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. People giving, uh, you know, too much crap to this team no matter what. Um, I thought I just, you know, I just had fun watching them put seven past Trinidad and, you know, that's, that's what I wanted. I just, you know, I just wanted to see us destroy a team, uh, get the confidence going. You know, if, if they had only won like one nil and stuff, I, I feel like, yes, then, you know, that'd be a problem. The fact that they beat this team seven, nothing, and they did what they were supposed to do by defeating this team seven, nothing. And that these players are now familiar in camp with Greg's philosophy. If they have to get called up later at another point, uh, they already know how to slot into their positions. They know what Greg needs of them, and hopefully, they're able to, you know, perform. And I was, I mean, then and then you're looking at, uh, you also look at the younger players. I mean, that, that's important too. I mean, you got to get these guys caps. You got to get these guys, you know, these appearances in games that matter i mean these guys are getting those nerves out from underneath them you got dk i mean i saw a whole, i think it was a whole list of the ones that made debuts because a lot of them are able to travel back over here just to even get you know in the way to block up some of that and i think that one thing that that they definitely found i think that samuel vines i think he 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 played about probably the best game besides Ferreira. i think that he you know he, he really shows that he could play left back and i know that there's that that revolving door that you know they were talking about on the fox sports 
um, pregame that they were talking. I think it was Stu that was saying that he, he wants to see who can step into that left back position. And I'll tell you what, Vines put a couple of those passes in. That was one of those, you know, I, I think I compare it to kind of those like heat seeking missiles that like De Bruyne puts in. It's not like those ones that they just kind of lob up there and hope that somebody gets on the end of one. He puts them in there as if they're, you know, he's got a target that he's shooting at. Um, and he put a couple of crosses in that I thought were pretty good. And he, he played really well defensively. I mean, that back line just <laughs> was so solid. I don't think I ever remember them getting up very far. And if they did, it might have been once or twice. You know, and, and it's not like we have to tear people down to build other people up. I saw a lot of people, you know, before this game from Vines saying, like, Vines shouldn't even be called in. It should be, you know, we're, we're going to start Anthony, Anthony Robinson. He's our left back, whatever. Um, or moving Sergino Dest to the left and playing Reggie Cannon on the right. But uh, th- this is why you give these players these looks. You know, Sam Vines was able to put in some good balls. Yes, it's against Trinidad and Tobago, but, you know, what happens if Robinson goes down? You know, you don't want to always move Dest. I really don't want to move Dest from the right back spot because he's, you know, he's playing so well there for Barcelona. And, you know, if that's working, I want him in his best position. But... You know, with with vines and and, and such. Um, again, it, it's like almost the stigma I always see on Twitter about MLS players. You know, a lot of these players come from here. You know, like uh, now everybody loves Brendan Aronson. You know, it's like was he not good enough when he was at Philly? It, I get that he's going to take his next step, but maybe that's what Vines is going to do. Or you know, like I said, you you don't ever want to lessen your your pool of players you know you want to always make sure that that player pool is exactly the way it is right now which is so many players and we're, we're going so deep when before we weren't even a deep pool to begin with um and you have so many of these players going overseas and you have new mls talent coming up and uh let's not forget we have the gold cup this year we have qualifying this year we have the olympic qualifying for the under 23s this year and then the Olympics for the under-23s. We have uh, so many competitions that you're not going to be able to use your A team for every single one of those competitions. So you get some of those players in now, and they've been in camp for a bit. And and you let them you know, just go through training with, with the coach and, and learn the tactics. And I can't tell you the last time I saw like our C squad go up against you know, a team like this and destroy them other than earlier, you know, like in December, but I mean like with a different manager, uh, people can, you know, crap on Greg Berhalter all they want for coming from MLS and, and, and such like that, or his brother, you know, being a higher up in the U S structure. So they think it's nepotism and stuff like that. But his, this team looked like how his Columbus team did, and they were playing very good attacking soccer and, you know, really making some good passes that, I love to see, and yes, I would want to see this team against better competition as well, but right now it's just not feasible with how the, you know, with the COVID situation and the fact that this is not an international window. So, you know, they'll see their better competition in these, in these up and coming competitions we have. Yeah. Like you said, and, and it's still funny to me, I mean, being relatively new fan, obviously um, to, to MLS, 
it's funny to me when you look now on Twitter. I mean, what yesterday or the day before we were we were sitting there watching all of our players getting plucked off by these these English sides that that have pretty good histories. I mean, it, you know, Swansea's no joke. They're going to go up to the Premier League. They're going to have, you know, Jordan Morris and Pereira, or, uh, uh, Areola is going to be over there. So, you know, you got people like that. You got DK going to Barnsley. You've got these guys moving from the MLS, Brendan Harrison. Like, those are kids that, I mean, they're starting here. DK, hell, he's a rookie. He was a rookie. And he's moving over to England already because they, they looked at the MLS and said, man, this, the talent. It's just going through the roof over there. McKenney was in the that. Dallas, uh, right, was exactly. in the Dallas system before he right. decided to just jump overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's just yeah. it's it's that kind of thing that I, I think people are. You know what it is, Jordan. I think it's people are are really not able to think of the MLS as becoming a top league. But I think in due time, it's going to become one of the top leagues. I mean, the United States, we are a cash cow. And as soon as these clubs start getting, you know, getting these huge investors, which they are, you mean, we're going to talk about Austin, uh, you're going to see this just big bubble just burst in the United States. And and it's great for the game. It's great for MLS and, and great for U.S. men's soccer team. Uh, any last thoughts here on, on this match? Because we actually do have a, a new kit release that I think we should probably talk about as well. Do we really? Yeah. Do we really? I don't. I don't remember seeing anything about it, Jordan. Can you? Can you refresh my memory? <laughs> yeah. The the Philadelphia Union unveiled their away kit or secondary kit uh, jersey, whatever you want to call it, and it is uh, called the By You, uh, meaning like by you, the the fans, but also you as in Union. Um, and it is a very nice light blue with uh, lightning bolts. Uh, light blue and yellow. For people who don't know, that's like uh, you know one of the city's colors for Philadelphia. It's actually um, the Sons of Ben's colors as well, which is the supporters group for the Philadelphia Union. And uh, they have lightning bolts. That is not just a random design. That's for Ben Franklin. And on the, you know, back of the neck uh, area, it has the uh, the kite and the key from Ben Franklin's, you know, uh, kite in, in the electric storm, thunderstorm uh, uh, experiment. And I, I really dig this kit and I really want to own it. <laughs> Can I say something to our our audience that's going to listen to this? Uh, Jordan Weekend is pretty darn particular about kits. Uh, you're very much a a class act when it comes to kits. I feel I feel like you are a good eye for good kits. You're a good eye for bad kits, and you really do like the traditional. So the fact that you texted me today and said that you like this kit, I'm not going to lie. It came to a, it came as a surprise to me, to be honest. I think it. You know, when I first saw it, I was kind of like, "Ugh, I don't know if I like this." But it kind of grew on me, you know, just from watching it a few times. Uh, and and the fact is that the that this stuff actually means stuff to the supporters and to the city, and that it was partly made by, you know, a collective of supporters and media members and and different people uh, that the front office invited in, because 
you know, the Union have used blue and gold, you know, like this navy and gold. And that is kind of like a spin on those classic blue and yellow, which I think they didn't think would look all that great. So they kind of modernized it a bit with a different blue and a gold. But, uh, you know, the Sons of Ben have had that blue and yellow since, you know, their foundation. And the fact that they're kind of taking elements from, you know, the Sons of Ben is based off of Ben Franklin. You know, uh, that that for people that don't know, it's obviously Philadelphia, that's kind of a big thing. But, you know, sometimes that might just be going over people's head. But so to have those elements of the lightning bolts and, you know, the light blue and the, uh, and, and the yellow and the key and the kite, you know, all that stuff just adds up to, this isn't just a random weird design. You know, this is not the Manchester United zebra kits, you know, that have nothing to do with Manchester. This is, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, they might have a zoo there, but I don't know if it's, <laughs> I don't know if it's enough to, uh, to make a kid about it. But, you know, and the fact that fans had input really made me, you know, appreciative. And apparently they're going to continue to have input going forward. And that, uh, you know, these are 18 month cycles for these kits. So actually they were working on this one back in March of 2019. I think they said that they first invited these people to, to see this and, um, and to, and to help design it. And, uh, now, uh, you know, they've already helped, uh, from what I read on the athletic and stuff, the 2022 kits for MLS are pretty much done and ready for next year. Like not like printed, but like the designs are being finalized and uh, they allude it to an even bigger collective of people, you know, helping out and uh, designing the next Philadelphia home kit. Uh, so I am really hoping that, you know, they talked about in this uh, article, I think it was on MLSsoccer.com, where they talked about, uh, the process of making this kit and, you know, that all these people were under non-disclosure agreements and uh, that they had, you know, thought to bring back the bib. If people don't know what that is, that is the original look of the Union, which is navy and then with a center gold stripe. Uh, so people thought maybe they would play around with the, the center stripe idea with the logo in the center. But... I, I think they said in that article, the you know, the fans were kind of thinking that, but then also thought to themselves, that seems more of a home kit thing and that they could kind of have like a blank canvas for this away kit. So I, I am hoping that means that they're looking to bring that back and modernize it somehow for the home kit because it was the union's identity for most of their history until like 2018, I think, is when they switched to the uh, to the to the new look where the where the crest is now, uh, you know, over the left, you know, over your heart, uh, where most pe- teams have it instead of in the center and that not having really being just more of a Navy blue shirt instead of the gold center stripe. Um, and I always feel like teams should embrace their identity, you know, or make something consistent. It's something that upsets me about the U S national team as well. Like there was a, just, just, you know, like Brazil, Brazil is the yellow shirt, you know? Uh, they don't modernize it too much. The uh, Netherlands is the orange shirt, you know? Germany has the white, you know, shirt usually with, with red and black and plays off of that. The The U.S. Right. don't have a single I- I- identity when Nike makes a new kit for them. 
and, and some of them are very bad. Like people really like the what we call the Wado kits, which is the red and white. You know, oh yeah. <laughs> and and I think that would be a good one for an identity. But uh, I really like my uh, my 2010 World Cup US with the blue with the white sash. You know, going from the right shoulder down to the left side. Um, and there was a few years where we kind of had variations on that. And I felt like that would have been a good identity to have, you know, somehow like you have that as the home kit, the red and white is the away kit or something, you, you know, just play around with it. And, uh, Atlanta with their red and black stripes, you know, their nickname is the five stripes because their first kit had five stripes. Um, now they have more than five stripes on it. And now it looks like for their one that's leaked for this year, they might have like no stripes or very little stripes. And for me, that's like, that's your identity. You know, it'd be like if Stoke city stopped having stripes, you know, it, it's, it's weird. So I, I do hope that the union, you know, go back to their old look, you know, you can modernize it. You can add some cool things that make the fans happy, but uh, just something better than what we uh, currently have for our home kit. Yeah, uh, one other thought too. Uh, you know, I uh, you can enter to win a one of these new union kits on their Twitter, and also they posted on there as well. If you buy it at Subaru Park at Philadelphia in, in Chester, you can get a free Supporter Shield twenty twenty winners badge. I guess it's going to go like on the shoulder somewhere. Uh, you know. Um, on the opposite shoulder of the MLS logo, I guess. So, uh, I really want that. <laughs> I wonder if I can get it and order it and pay for it, but, um, I hope I don't owe it, just have to go there for it. I would like to, I, I, I think it'd be cool if they just did that where you get it free there, but maybe you can buy it, you know, to add on like a champions league patch, like you can for right. some reason. Yeah. But man, uh, you know, cause they didn't release like any supporter shield merch. And I was very upset about that. Because, you know, I, when the Orioles make the postseason, when the Ravens usually win a division, I usually buy some sort of merch that shows that, you know, because I'm proud of it. Um, so I was hoping for something like that. All right. Any other thoughts on uh, this this new kit? Or... No, I think it, it's great. It's it, it pays, you know, it pays dividend to kind of invest in your fan base and let let the community to decide things, which I, I sent the text to you. I said, there's so many cool city kits out there that they've designed, um, fans, that is. Uh, and, you know, they, they always go for this really weird look for some of these kits. Um, but I, I will say the one city kit that, that I have that's the blue one, it's actually the Manchester uh, mosaics that that, I, that are around the city. That's what that blue one is this year. That's why it looks like a, a mosaic with a with splintered look to yeah, it. Yeah, that one doesn't look, look bad either, right. though. Really, um, and I, I, think I love you can make like good, I love that. One. Yeah, I think but, you can like, make you like know, good mixes of like the basic shirt. It doesn't always have to be just a plain blue, but no, like, I, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but I, I do. I love. I actually love your kit. Like I love that that color. That blue pops. That yellow really. Like I, I don't know. It makes it look really cool. Like they just infused it. You know what they remind me of? They remind me of when the NFL does like the color rush jerseys. Like and I like the color rush. So it's, it's like it's the retro Chargers look. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So and I've always liked that those colors together. So I think this is this is awesome. I hope that the other clubs you know get the to get the same kind of advantage of you know make it interesting i mean the mls is trying to grow this would be a great way i mean just think about it and 
talking about kits, uh, Austin has probably one of the coolest kits out there um, right now because it, you know not only is the sponsor pretty cool, but but the colors itself and, and the green logo. and black stripes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it just pops. So you know, let 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 the fans decide. I'm tired of clubs just picking up random kits like the the lemonade kit that we got for City or. You know the I, I don't like the the white city, uh, Orlando City kit that's got like the random purple like splash on the front, but it looks like it ran out of ink because the back doesn't have any purple yeah. on it. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> well, you know, apparently, so the whole thing was uh, originally they had three kits for these teams up until I think 2016. I guess they weren't selling, so Adidas limited to two, and now we learned today that there was a. Uh, there's a limitation. If a team sells a hundred thousand kits, they get a third kit printed. Uh, only one MLS team is getting that this year, and that's Atlanta. But some people are not going to pay. You're not going to sell a hundred k if it's just these uh, bland, plain white shirts uh, for the away kits all the time. Uh, so I do like that the union are having. You know, the the fans were upset that there was just always white kits for the away. You know, like. Now we have this light blue, which we've tried before, white, blue, and, and white, uh, I think was one of our first away kits. I think it was our second set of away kits. But it was like the white center strip, light blue on the sides, like how we have the navy with the center gold. I, what I like about it is that it uses the colors of the team and of the supporters as part of the secondary kit instead of just, oh, here's white. You can have a light kit that isn't white, and that's what we're proving with this uh, light blue. Yeah, so let's uh, let's go ahead and we'll take a quick break here, and uh, then we'll come back with our interview from Austin TV, an Austin fan page on Twitter and Instagram. Catch you after the break. Hello, and welcome back to the Stateside Soccer Show. We have with us here today Hernan Gonzalez from... We are Austin TV on Instagram and Twitter. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm here hanging out in Austin, just waiting for the MLS season to finally kick off. Yeah, I'm constantly refreshing for the CBA news uh, as we wait. Um, but yes, uh, so I guess let's uh, let's just jump into some questions here. My name is Jordan, and we do have my co-host Logan with us here as well. Yeah, thank you guys for actually having me on here. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, You know, we were really looking forward to having uh, an Austin preview, so it's very nice of you to reach out and Mm -hmm. get the uh, perspective from Austin, Texas. And I think maybe, I mean, there's a bunch of other people that are uh, uh, ready for this team, but it can't really get better from a true Austinite because today – uh, in Austin, we have so many people moving here from all over the yes. country. So I'm born and raised in Austin. You know, I've never called anywhere else home. So this is my city. This is my team. Awesome. Awesome. So our, our first question, I guess, here is, as a native Austin uh, resident, what is it like to know that you're about to have your first, like, top flight professional team uh, in any sport really if i'm right right i mean i know there was an austin wasn't there an austin lower uh, uh usl team at one point but um what what is it like to have a, a professional team now uh in a city that is one of the fastest growing in the united states it feels awesome because 
Um, as you mentioned, we had the Austin Aztec for a brief period. And I remember whenever we had that, the people that were really like into soccer, that was really big for us because we actually had like a team that we can, you know, gather around. And some of the people that I see today, um, I like think of back when I went with my dad back in like 2009, 2010. And some of those people were even there. So this is like a whole group of people that had just been waiting and we finally have it here. And uh, before the Aztec, I mean, Austin has always had the uh, Longhorns. That's it. Uh, a college football team. And the whole right, city right. has been behind them like insane. We're, we're, we're still living off of the national championship in 2005. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's how bad, yeah. you know, Austin really needed something new. And, you know, this new team is like a really, really nice breath of uh, uh, fresh air. And I grew up playing here in Austin in many clubs. I played in uh, the first team I played in was the uh, East East Austin Soccer Club, and then after that I moved on to uh, UHO Vipers, and then we went on to NASA, which is North Austin Soccer Association. So, you know, I've been heavily into soccer all my life, and I've been in Austin all my life. So this is like a dream come true. I would see it everywhere else. You know, I've been to games in Dallas. I've been to games in LA. I've been to games in DC, um, and I never really like thought of it being here in, in my hometown. And now that it's here, I just, you know, I kind of got to like pinch myself because, you know, it's really almost here. Yeah. Um, and with the uh, just a fun fact for people that don't know, Austin Aztecs did move to uh, Orlando and became Orlando City. Uh, so just a little fun fact there, because we have Logan, an Orlando City fan. Oh, uh, nice. On here. <laughs> nice. But, That's um, for us, but... <laughs> So when did you start following, you know, uh, MLS? You said you've been to games in, in other cities. Were you uh, a fan of a team beforehand, or were you just going to, like, uh, random games as, like, a like a uh, uh, casual, not, like, casual in a soccer sense, but just casual fan that didn't have a team to root for? So the time that I went to L.A., I went to go see Mexico versus Wales. And unfortunately, oh, okay. unfortunately that game... It was so boring. It ended 0-0. There was no Gareth Bell. You know, it was just so bad. <laughs> it was it was so bad. But the Rose Bowl atmosphere was insane, like super insane. And then the, the time that I went to D.C., I went to see Real Madrid against uh, Juventus. And that was around, like, Vinicius was barely getting started. Um, there was no Ronaldo. That was the year that he had just moved. So I was hoping to maybe get a little glimpse. But then I found out right. he was in China uh, sponsoring uh, Nike. Growing up, I was always a Chivas fan. So Liga MX is very, very close to me. I'm very, very fond yes. of that league. Uh, uh, my dad always kind of, you know, had me seeing those games. In the MLS, I have always been a neutral fan because I don't, I don't really have a team because I never really had one to get behind. You know, right. and that's why Austin FC is so, is so really big. So the time that I would get into the MLS would probably be around. Uh, four four to five years ago is when I got like really really into the MLS. Whenever David Beckham went, that's when really like light was f- like honestly firstly shined on that league. That right. people started to hear about it. Yes, yeah, that was back. Jeez, two thousand eight I think or two thousand seven that Beckham first came in the league. But yeah, that was one of my first exposures to it as well. Um. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've been to the, I've been to DC games for DC United, but I've also been there for like Barcelona versus Chelsea and 
uh, I went to like Brazil, U.S. men's national team games nice. there. So, because nice. I'm based in Maryland here, so like DC is only 90 minutes away from me, so yeah, uh, really easy to get to. Um, so what what is the vibe down there in, in Austin right now? Like, do you have a good mm-hmm. sense of the the pulse of the city on how excited they are to have a team? And you know, I know COVID has probably thrown a bit of a wrench into the excitement due to you know, maybe limitation of fans and such at games, but how excited is the city? Oh man, the the city, I feel like it is completely changing because before Austin FC, we were known as like a college football town, you know, that was Austin. Right. But now, you know, everybody's starting to hear about this Austin FC. They have ads everywhere, you know, they're like teaming up with a bunch of places, uh, uh, local. And uh, I'm actually part of uh, La Murga, we are the pretty much the band of the supporter section. We belong to uh, oh. Los Verdes, so um, we we're a big, big group of people. I think the community is past over like two thousand, and uh, wow. so we have a big group of people getting together. You know, this movement we're really, really trying to push it, and the staff has done a really good job. Like they really work well with us. They communicate very well they want the same thing we want we want to have a good team we want to have a good atmosphere we want to have a good vibe and uh respecting the rules that COVID has placed and you know all the things that kind of have to change now that we're living through this uh, uh pandemic has not been it hasn't been easy but um we've worked around uh uh around it we practice with masks and stuff but um we're trying to do our best and not let it stop us because the season is almost here and there's still a lot more work to do to be done. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's pretty cool, like reading about your guys' story. Uh, I mean, Austin, as far as I, I know, the president spoke to the, uh, you know, the club about how uh, influential it's been on the Hispanic population in the area and the Austinites and how cool it is to have such a diverse. I think they said there was like a, an article written recently that said they had 74 or something full time Hispanic workers and how diversity um, really has influenced the club and that culture. Um, and, and, you know, speaking on that, you know, it, it's it's the fastest growing city. It's cool to watch you guys get a club. Um, what do you think it means for, like, do you see this, per, you know, taking off and, and you guys being one of the top, you know, supporter uh, fan bases? Do you see the, the passion? Because the, you guys sold out season tickets at an insane rate. I think it's 15,000 tickets were sold, which is insane for an MLS club that's just expanding. Do you, I mean, do you have friends with you? I mean, I know you said you were part of the supporter band, but can you see the, I mean, just like the enthusiasm for, you know, a diverse culture and, and the culture in and around the club? Do you see all those people coming together and uniting with with this club coming? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this uh, supporter section tickets, they have sold out. Like that's, that whole section is is packed. And uh, I actually got three of them. And whenever I say that I got more than one, people look at me like, wow, like, how did you get them? Because, like, it it, it, it sold out so quick, like you said. And, uh, you know, um, what I'm also starting to see is, like, a bunch of people, you know, coming together as one around this team because they've been looking for something for so long. You know what I mean? And, and what they're doing in this city is getting, you know, getting – the white culture together, getting the Mexican culture together, getting the black culture together, the Asian culture together. There's all kinds of people out here chanting these these songs that we're coming up with. And it's not just one person making chants. It's like everybody coming together. Everybody's making TIFOs. It's not just, you know, 
this small group it's multiple multiple you know big groups of uh of uh fans you know what i mean and it's really fun to see it's it's really fun to uh to see all these things actually happening because growing up uh i used to play soccer all the time and people used to make fun of you if you like played soccer back then they'd be like oh you know yeah <laughs> this soccer is that we didn't even have soccer balls until like sixth or, or, or seventh grade we played soccer with uh basketballs you know what i mean because soccer just oh, was crazy it. soccer soccer yeah. wasn't it you know and um i always tell uh my dad i'm like hey, man could have had me like six years later you know what i mean like i could have been trying out for this <laughs> team you know what i mean but uh right. you know i'm just happy that it's here and seeing everybody coming together as one is fabulous man fantastic it's cool to watch your Twitter. Like when you retweeted it, like, uh, you know, that you're coming on the show. It's so cool. And, you know, we're, you know, starting this podcast, you know, refurbing it and, and redoing it. And it's cool to see how, like, how cool of a unique following you have. Like, I mean, you guys are tweeting each other. You guys are supporting each other, the supporter clubs, the different blogs, the different channels, the team. I mean, it, it's crazy how quickly you guys have become so passionate. It, it's it's mind boggling. Yeah. Actually, it is it is pretty crazy because I remember when it was first announced about like two years ago that we got the uh, team, you know, it, it kind of wasn't even like a big movement yet. But, you know, as like time got closer and closer and closer, we're now hopefully we're now like a, a couple months away. We don't really know what's going to happen. But like all these soccer fans in this city are like, wow, like we really have a, a, a team, you know, like it's it's finally here. And Twitter, Twitter is it can be. It can be toxic, but it's really what you make it. You know what I mean? Like we we have a group of people on on Twitter that just retweet positivity about this team. You know, here and there you get some people saying bad stuff about so and so player or why haven't we got this type of player? But you know, you have to be patient. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, I feel like we've done a good job, but uh, with surrounding positive energy around this team, I think so. Yeah, uh, before we get into the squad itself, I, I just had some questions about like the branding. I see you have the Austin logo. Uh, is it like a flag behind you there? Yeah, 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 it is. I have like the blurry app, I think, on, on the Skype. You can't really oh, okay. see it, but it's That's the awesome. Club Crest, yeah. Um, the, the tree and Austin FC on top. Yeah. So, what, what do you what do you think what do you think about the branding and the colors? Like, is green an actual Austin color, uh, or is that something that Austin FC is just kind of bringing into? The city all right all right i love austin uh fc and what they're doing but i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you this the tree stuff i really don't know where they got it from you know what i mean mm -hmm. <laughs> the, right. the only places where there's trees like that would be around the capital i would say and the verde stuff um i think it's something that they're just trying to market something that they're just trying to push because austin is like that that new techie city that new green city you know what i mean right. so I think that they're playing their cards right on on the whole crest and the colors and stuff like that. And the jerseys being green and black stripes, you know, I think that they've played their cards right well. Yeah, I, I really like the the uh, both kits, actually. I really do like, you know, even the the plain white one. But I, I really like the green and black stripes because there's not really that combination in MLS. And I like when teams kind of bring in a unique badge like at least the austin badge is not a circle right it's yeah. uh it, it's it's got green and black which we don't see that often in the league so 
I, I really enjoy the uh, when they unveiled the branding for it, and you know when they unveiled the jersey earlier this year or earlier last year. Um, November. Yeah, November. I, I really was like, I have to. I collect. I collect jerseys for all MLS teams, so I'm. You know, Austin's is definitely on the list uh, to get now. <laughs> I got. I got mine out right now. Oh wow. <laughs> the you know the good verde and black. Yeah. Uh, I haven't got the white one yet because I'm waiting for my friend. He runs a, a, a local shop. He sells, you know, cleats, jerseys, all this stuff. And uh, I would go to the van. I would order online, but I would rather help out, you know, uh, oh, yeah. a local shop. You know what I mean? So, so far from him, I've gotten seven home jerseys that I've got, you know, you know, from my co- <laughs> you know, cousins. Oh, okay. I thought you know, had seven for you. Like that. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm waiting to get that uh, white one from him. I really like the white one. I feel like it's clean. The it only is very thing about clean. It, yes. The only thing about it is that I would be scared to get it dirty. Yeah. That's the only thing. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that's that's the problem with most of the white uh, jerseys. Uh, you know that that I've that I've had is trying to keep them uh, clean. Um. So, so moving on here to some of the squad, uh, what do you make of the squad so far? Because I like what I see. I'll, I'll say that much so far. I, I like when expansion teams get, you know, like a good stable of, of MLS guys that are experienced and used to the league, and then also adding some pieces to that. Uh, you know, guys like Matt Beasler, Ben Sweat, Kakuta Mane, Nick Lima, Diego Fagundes, uh, even the trade for the for Alexander Ring, you know who uh, who Claudio Reyna knows from NYCFC. So uh, I really like what they've done so far, and uh, I'll talk about you know Cecilio Dominguez later. But just your thoughts here on some of these uh, you know MLS uh, guys. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, like you said, I like what I see because um, in my recent experience with new teams coming into this league. I'm not going to lie, they're kind of, you know, you don't really expect them to do so well. You right. know what I mean? And uh, I feel like Austin, you know, it's a bad time for the market, but then it's a good time for the market because you can get some players for like a steal right now. And uh, like you pointed out, uh, Alex Ring, you know, we we spent the most allocated money on him in like MLS history for a foreign player. Yeah. You know, so I'm really, really uh, excited and happy, you know what I mean, that we got that guy. Um, I recently met up with uh, Diego Fagundes, and uh, that guy, man, that guy is—he's such a bro. Like he is amazing. He That's is awesome. almost like if he's not a uh, like a like a pro player. Um, he actually told me this interesting stat. So I already knew that he was the youngest player to get 50 goals, but he he told me that he's four assists away from getting the 50-50, getting the 50 youngest goals and getting the 50 youngest uh, assists. So I'm curious to see if he has it on his mind this season and he goes all out for that 50-50 record. You know what I mean? I hope so. I've always liked Fagundes when he was at the Revs. And, and really, it's crazy. To, you know, I had to look at his age today because I was like, he's been around forever. He's been playing for 10 years and he's yeah. only 25. You know, he's turning 26 in like, uh, I think, a week or two. Um, so... Uh, I, I think he probably needed a switch away from New England anyway. And yeah. um, I would put probably some money down on him, you know, hopefully having a, a good start to the uh, his time in Austin. 
I think his uh, his last hot season, I guess I would say, was in 2018. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he scored nine goals and had 10 assists. But he started losing playing time after that yep. because I, that's when Bruce Arenas got there. And uh, he he did mention a couple of things. I'm not going to get into detail, but he's not fond of Bruce Arenas. So he kind of <laughs> right. hinted. He kind of hinted that there was some, you know, some bad, some bad words. I guess that were said one day. But uh, he he said that he was happy to be here and he couldn't wait to get to work. I have him starting, uh, Fagundes. I have him in the middle with uh, Alex Ring, and I'm gonna go with Ulises uh, Segura. But that lineup can can really change because we still have some DPS left, and I'm curious to yeah. see if we're gonna use that. You know. Yeah, uh, talking about DPs, Cecilio Dominguez, uh, you said you've watched Liga Mekis, uh, right? He, he's. D- did you still keep up with it when he was in the league? He was playing for Club America. Uh, what I've seen of clips of him on loan, right, is I, I think he has a lot of poise on the ball. I think that uh, if he plays well, I think he kind of reminds me at times of uh, Joseph Martinez, if he can, mm. if he can put him away. But that's the thing. Looking at some of his stats, he's only had like three goals last year. Uh, but what are your thoughts on uh, Cecilio Dominguez and what level impact he can have on the team? Yeah. Um, growing up, I was a Chivas fan. I still am to this day. Um, so Chivas and America, they're bitter rivals. Bitter rivals. And Cecilio Dominguez played for uh, America. And he won like two or three trophies with him. So... Every time we would play, you know, he he was he was really good. You know, he was. I mean, you hate it when the uh, you know the the team that you hate has a really good player, and he was yeah. guys left and right. So that stayed with me. You know what I mean? And whenever I heard that Austin FC had signed uh, Cecilio, I was like, that can only be one guy, and I knew it. Cecil, it was him. And you know, even though he was at a, a team that I didn't like back then now that he's with us i'm all for it you know what i mean like hell yeah i want this guy on my team um he was at what i need for the past couple of months a club in uh paraguay they right. got to the final you can say that he kind of carried them a little bit because he did have major uh contribution to them i have right here he had uh what in the copa uh, libertadores in 13 games he scored four goals and he assisted twice you know and uh they unfortunately crashed out in the final against it was uh, Olympia, if I'm not mistaken. They lost in, in penalties five to four. Cecilio didn't shoot, however, he was taking a bunch of penalties for them. So I'm very, very excited to see him play. The style that he has, I would like to see him on the left wing. Excuse me. On the left wing more more than anything. And whoever is playing left back on that side. I would like to see them have a high defensive work rate because Cecilio is a guy that really doesn't do much defending. Wow, that was a great scouting report on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I spent a while just studying him, Ronnie Redes, and uh, Johan Romagna. He's uh, the 22-year-old Colombian center back that we got. We actually got Romagna, we got Redes, and uh, we were going to get a third player from Guarani. His name is Jose Florentin. But uh, I guess rumors fell through. Maybe it was just, you know, rumor all along. Cecilio is from Independiente in Argentina. But when Austin FC bought him, they loaned him out. And he was there 
you know, kind of just building uh, chemistry, I guess, with Rodney Redis. Yeah, and speaking of rumors, you he, and you retweeted this, I think, I think you had a graphic on it. What are your thoughts on Tomas Pochettino? I mean, I know that that was something, and now there's been reports where he's not shown up for the flight, That and there's only two clubs in the MLS after him. What would that mean to your guys' club? So if he if he signs for us, that'll be huge. Be, um, I've heard a lot of things about the uh, Argentinian league, and it's not one that you talk about lightly. You know, they like to say that they have the best soccer in that side of you know the uh, freaking world. Um, they have Boca, they have River, and apparently this adds to the rumor. Apparently he he turned down River play to negotiate with Austin, but that can just be rumor, speculation, wow. or whatever. But uh, River Play, from what I know, is prestigious. That's a big club down there. But um, one thing that I like about the MLS is that, you know, other than the CBA stuff going on, we're a real stable league. And I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of these players are kind of starting to think like, yo, you know, maybe maybe I should bounce to a, a real stable league where I'm going to make, you know, some good money and I'm going to live in a good country. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's one of the most stable leagues in the whole world, you know, and... Um, if if he were to sign to us, that changes the whole scheme of things. I would probably bench Segura and have Pochettino, Ring, and Fagundes in the middle. That would be my core center. But honestly, man, I would I would take that guy in in a heartbeat. I was gonna say three goals, four assists, and eleven matches. That's insane. Like it just as a as a midfielder and just creating in that space up top. I mean that. It, it, I mean, seriously, it, when they were talking about it, and I was watching Claudio Reyna talk about this this club that he was putting together, and he said that he alluded to the fact that he goes, we're not done spending by any stretch of the means. He kind of hinted at, like, the sneaky, like, we've got something waiting in the works, and it could be a pretty big splash, and we're not done yet, which is pretty cool to see. Because I think that, you know, being so, and I do think with being in Austin, it, it has the chance to be such a huge club. Uh, it's pretty cool to see, you know, Claudio going, all out, ready to go and, and put this team, hopefully, in the playoffs. I think that's a mark for success when you watch Nashville play and make the playoffs. I think that's, you know, where Austin realistically thinks they can get to. Yeah, I think they're really shooting high. Uh, I, I got really excited when they announced uh, Claudio Reyna was going to be the uh, uh, sporting director because, you know, this guy is a veteran. You know, he's like the OG of all of this. You know what I mean? Like, he's the Don, you know. And uh, I like what he did in uh, New York City. So whenever he was coming down here, I was like, yes, you know, like we're actually going to have a good project. You know, I, I just got that feeling that we're, we were going to have an actual project. You know what I mean? Like there's actually mm-hmm. big clubs out there right now that just sign players and have no project going forward. You know what I mean? There's no LA there's Galaxy. No five, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Thank you. There's no five-year plan. There's no 10-year plan. You know, they're just buying players and getting coaches after six months and hoping whatever happens is is good. You know what I mean? So uh, one thing that I am concerned about this team, though, is, and I know everybody is all, you know, happy of it, but I'm concerned about the coach we got. Josh Wolf has never been a head coach ever. He's only been assistant coach. So I'm curious to see if he can handle this. But hopefully he does, because if he does good, I win. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what I was actually going to ask you about is Josh Wolf, because uh, he's kind of been, you know, before he signed with Austin, kind of like this hot commodity of when he was an assistant um, at DC, an assistant at the crew, his name was always going around with, you know, 
maybe replacing Ben Olsen at DC or getting a, um, you know, a position at uh, maybe replacing um, uh, uh, Greg Berhalter at crew before Porter went there. Uh, so it feels like, you know, he's got a lot to live up to in that sense. Cause as you said, he hasn't ever really coached uh, a first team, but I feel like he's kind of been one of those that everybody said, you know, look out for him. So there's going to be, I would assume some pressure because I want to ask you as well, what is a good season for Austin FC this year? You know, with this squad they're putting together with Nashville making the playoffs last season, mm. but uh, you yes. know, Nashville made that as well because they moved from the East uh, from the West to the East after the MLS is back tournament. Um, you know, the West is going to be tough. Uh, I, I would say, even though the East has kind of been tougher recently, but what's a good season for, for Austin this year? I think with the team that they're building, they're really aiming high. You know, I feel like there was a grand plan before all this started and it's rolling out in their favor. There are some, some signings that need to be made. You know, I feel like we desperately need a number nine striker to kind of connect everything, you know, because we really don't have a source of goals that'll give us 10 to 15 goals. And in order to do good in, in this league, people can say what they want to say, but this league is getting more and more competitive every single year. Mm -hmm. And you need goals to win to win this league, obviously. You know what I'm saying? But uh, shout out to Nashville. They had a, a, a really good run. They surprised a bunch of people. A good season for me as a fan here in Austin, waiting for, you know, 26 years. I would say if we get into the playoffs, that's a that's a really good run really good run playoffs if we get into any type of quarterfinal or semifinal we're already on you know uh cloud nine yeah i would agree uh i think that you know with with this squad and stuff i i always look at other expansion teams you know like nashville i thought did well when you know they bring in walker zimmerman and they bring in dax mccarty and, and stuff like that like those are signs that you know, they're, they're bringing in those players. Uh, they went on a good run, though. But, you know, like Miami kind of tried bringing in some of these players. Like Ben Sweat's already moved on from Miami and is now at Austin. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. Uh, and they already got rid of Lee Wynn, and he went uh, to the Revs, I think. And I think that's where he still is. But, uh, but yeah, so it sounds like you have a lot of faith in in the uh, ownership and the front office. Yeah. Um, Big, so, big yeah. shout out to them. Sorry, sorry about that. No, but go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> just want to say big shout out to the to the front office. Uh, from what I've heard, I have not heard one negative thing of them. They work with everybody. You know, they are breaking bread with a bunch of Austin locals. You know what I mean? Like they're just helping out a lot. And I want to give a big shout out to this foundation, the the uh, the four four ATX Foundation and the soccer assist. I'm sorry if I if I got that wrong, but big shout out to them because my uh, elementary school is not that far from the stadium. It's Woodridge Elementary. They turned a old tennis court that nobody used into a futsal court. And it has, you know, two beautiful goals. It has fences around it, nice like paint on, on the ground, the ground, the ground. Front office is really doing a, like a really good job. They're making this city a, a actual uh, 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 soccer city. Big shout out to them. Yeah, yeah, I, I love when the, uh, you know, when the teams get in with the with the local uh, area. Um, quick question uh, that I skipped over earlier, but you know, 
were you following all these news when when it was you know pre-court trying to move the crew to Austin and uh what were your thoughts on that if so because I know that's kind of probably a little bit of a uh uh, bittersweet type thing where you don't want somebody to lose their club, but you also want a team in Austin. So walk us through that. So, yeah, um, whenever I first heard of that, it kind of made sense to me because I had known that the Austin Aztec that we had here was kind of like a farm team for them. They would get some players mm-hmm. that were uh, good enough and they would go out there. So, you know, it, it, it kind of made sense. It felt like we were there kind of like their B team for uh, X amount of time. You know, so from over here on this side of it, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. You know, we're going to get like a team finally. You know, I I was just so happy. But then, you know, I started to get into it. I started to look more into it. And there was, you know, there was politics, too. You know, there was some shady business going on. There was some like, you know, there was a bunch of things like uh, uh, pre-court, I think, wanted to negotiate like a brand new stadium. And there was a bunch going on. Right. But. Um, I, I do know that there's a bit of a, a rivalry there now, and I'm all for it. You know what I mean? I feel like Austin FC benefits from, like, a, a classical type of thing, you know, like Austin FC versus uh, right. uh, crew, you know what I mean? So um, I do kind of feel bad sometimes that I wanted Ohio to come down here and, you know, kind of just leave that city without a, a team. But I am happy that team, that things turned out the way that they did, that they got to keep their team, and which turned out really well because, I mean, they won the league. They have a really good right. team. And, uh, and we got our team, you know. And it, by the looks of it, it's going to be a good team, and I'm excited to play them. And whenever we host them, it's going to be a really good time, and hopefully nothing violent happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it worked out the best that it could. And this was kind of like when everything was going on, I was like, this is just the simplest solution. You know, sell the crew to an owner that wants to keep them there and move, uh, you know, give Austin their own team. Like it's a, it's that simple. Um, so I'm glad it's worked out. Um, that was, that was pretty much all that we, that we had to ask you today, actually. But, uh, we loved having you on, and uh, we'd hope to have you on again sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was really fun. Um, I would like to uh, thank you guys for giving me the chance to uh, come on here, and I hope that we can work together more in the near future. Once again, that was Hernan Gonzalez from We Are Austin TV. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at We Are Austin TV. And uh, we hope to have him on the show uh, again later in the season, talking about the expansion season for Austin FC. Uh, Just some quick things as well where you can follow us, because we are having a giveaway for a Portland Timbers Extra Large kit. So if you are interested in trying to get a Timber uh, Portland Timbers jersey, it's the green jersey, there's pictures of it on the Twitter uh, when that goes live uh, tomorrow, February 4th, uh, where that'll go. So you'll follow the directions on the tweet of liking or retweeting or tagging people, leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Each one of those things is going to give you more entries, which means more times your name goes into the hat that we pull out, and uh, then you'll get this uh, Portland Timbers jersey. And you can do that. You can follow us on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show or email us Stateside Show at gmail.com. 
I hope everybody had a great time listening to Hernan from We Are Austin TV. Uh, it was a great interview, and we, like we said before, we hope to have him back on. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you all next time where maybe we talk about a CBA deal. <laughs> it sounds like after we were done recording that interview, movement is moving on that. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully we wake up to some good news, and uh, we'll catch you all next time. Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.